called Colin Tokuinoa, and I just want to pause for a moment and welcome Emmett, Emmett and Joe Legrow. Um, Emmett, lovely to see you at church. You are loved and special. And there's this line that we use in dedications that says, there will always be a place for you in God's family. So just, um, um, Joe's looking after Emmett on weekends, is that right? Yep. Yep. So lovely to have you here. Fantastic. Um, and that's completely throwing me off my run. So, taking care of business, I could see some of you singing along. Um, nice to see, it's catchy. You don't expect to hear um, Backman Turner in church, but it does happen. And I am not an American inspirational preacher, teacher, so um, can I have an amen? <laughs> oh, really? I was expecting complete silence. I'm not that. So, what's, what's going to go on here is that... Um, uh, last week we talked about God working in the community, what that might look like, some of the things we do, some of the things we could do, and um, next week is going to be Palm Sunday, so yes, you get to sleep in a bit more or walk to church, but when you get here, it's going to be an all-age friendly service, so don't assume that you'll just be sitting on a seat. Other things may happen, and if that's... Um, uh, threatening for you. There will be seats you can sit on, but it'll be an all-agey kind of service. And then, oh, I've got cues for this. Um, the week after that is Easter, and um, I'll be off at Easter camp and then coming back for Sunday. So we won't be doing an Easter Friday service. It just There's a limit to how many things you can pull off. But we'll be getting back together on Easter Sunday for a service there. So I thought we didn't, haven't done a, a Lent focus this year, but maybe let's just lean a little bit towards Easter. And so if you've got a Bible handy, can you, or you're doing it on a smartphone, can you look up Luke 19? Um, we'll, be, we'll be reading from it. It's just before Jesus goes into Jerusalem and they have the celebration and the Palm Sunday thing. And, uh, and he tells a story about taking care of business, hence the clue, you know, the song. And um, we're going to have a look and see what it might mean to us. Now, just when we were practicing, um, Scott said, oh, you mean the, the parable of the talents? And um, he was absolutely right, except, you know, I had, I've almost always gone to Matthew to read this parable. I, I think it's our default because, you know, it comes first. <laughs> and, um, and I've been fascinated to see there's some really big differences between the story told in Matthew and the story told in Luke. Um, that are, yeah, that, that have struck me. So what's happened earlier in Luke is that Jesus has um, invited himself to Zacchaeus, the tax collector's place for lunch. And that's been such a life-changing thing because it's crossed these boundaries that Zacchaeus says, oh, okay, I'm going to show that I'm going to live differently by giving back to all these people I've ripped off, that and more. And Jesus says, today is salvation day in this home. Here he is, Zacchaeus, son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to find and restore the lost. So, taking care of business. Here's the preamble. While he had their attention, and because they were getting close to Jerusalem, by this time, sorry, they were getting close to Jerusalem by this time, and expectation was building that God's kingdom would appear any minute. Jesus told this story. Now, what they kind of expected was this was when Jesus was going to roll on into Jerusalem, assume the throne, wrap everything up. He was going to knock heads together. He was going to uh, settle scores, reward the good, punish the wicked. And uh, 
That's kind of their expectation. Now, before we hear this story, there's a couple of things we should consider. Firstly, it has to do with how we tend to read the Bible. We don't approach the Bible impassively. We come carrying who we are and where we came from, and our culture is very things-oriented. We like things, we like stuff, and we like money. Those are, you know, we desire those things. Our culture celebrates getting stuff, having stuff, consuming stuff. We are the culture that coined the phrase, show me the money. We're the culture that coined um, smart goals. Yep, specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-bound. Oh, very good. See, it's so in our culture that people can trot them out. And it is... Like, we think this is right, but it's actually, it's a cultural thing. Other cultures haven't necessarily run towards that. So when we go to the Bible, we bring this with us. And I do that just because this, this, this story involves money, and we need to be aware that's very much how we're wired. The second thing that's helpful for us to know, well, there's one other thing we tend to do. I tend to do this. I think you, we go to the Bible, and this isn't a bad expectation, but we go to the Bible expecting to learn more about God. And about Jesus, and and it, which makes sense. But it sometimes, sometimes we can push it a bit further that way than we should, and we'll see if we do. And the second thing for us to know is that the Bible is definitely for our time, but not all about our time. It was written to other people a long time ago. So sometimes there are things that we don't get. Um, the people who received letters from Paul, who heard the stories from Jesus, weren't Kiwis or English, or American, their lives were different to ours. And some of that comes up in the story that Jesus told. So if I got up and told you a story about a woman who led a kingdom, and then there was this dreadful disease that came, and so as a way of trying to keep the, the disease at bay, she shut down the kingdom. What are you thinking about? Jacinda, yeah, because we make connections with the stories of what's going on in our lives. Yep, and... Uh, that actually happens with this story. Some of you remember Christmas time, just after Christmas time, um, uh, a King Herod, aka Herod the Great, sent out death squads to kill any babies that were young enough to qualify um, because he was scared of a Messiah coming. And so that Herod, Herod the Great, was obviously not liked or trusted. Um, he was deeply resented. And he dies. And when he dies, there's a problem. So the, the areas of um, Israel and Judah, they are um, being, uh, they're controlled by Rome, and so Rome had, used to have Herod as the leader. So he wrote a will, and in his will he said, hey, let's pass that authority on to my three sons, Archelaus, Antipas, and Philip. Yep. And so King Herod the Great dies, and the sons think, oh, this looks good, and the people do not like this, because they'd had enough of Herod, and they don't trust the sons anymore. So there's a little bit of a mini-revolution, and the Roman army has to put it down. It's called the Passover riot. And then, just to settle things up, Arch Archelaus, um, sorry, Antipas and Philip, sail off to Rome to go and see the emperor, Augustus, and to say, well, your rubber stamp us as the ones in charge. Um, so that's a background story. Why? And an early historian, Josephus, tells us that Jews were so unhappy with this that they sent a delegation of 15 prominent Jews to Augustus to say, 
don't put these guys in power. They'll be worse than Herod, and Herod was no good. Okay, so that's just been going on. And then Jesus tells this story. A man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. Ring any bells? Okay. So he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minas. Now, a mina uh, is about three months' work. So I'm going to guess... Well, sorry, the ten minas works out. We think it about... I'm going to call it $30,000. If you earn a lot of money, it's $50,000. Okay? If you earn lots and lots of money, then um, uh, I'm sure there's people here who could do some with some. <laughs> okay, give some ten minas and says, put this money to work until I come back. But his servants hated him, and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So if this is linked to Archelaus, there's, probably that's what they're thinking. They're thinking, oh, hang on, I know this story, just like you thought Jacinda, which, yes, that was who I was referencing, <laughs> but you only knew that because it's been going on in our world. Now, I say this because most of our stories of this kind of kind we go to, I go to and I think, oh, yeah, who's the God figure? Well, clearly that's the businessman. But actually there's some details in here that go, hmm, hang on. What's going on here? Okay, so this speaks to the nature of the ruler, not a nice guy. Have you ever had a boss you really didn't like or trust? Have you ever been that boss? No, we're not going to focus on that. But if you've had a boss you don't like or trust, it really colours all that you do, doesn't it? It's, in fact, you know, my, one of my general rules in applying for work is, um, do I trust the person who's going to be in charge? Because if you don't, it, it's really, really difficult. So the boss that you don't like or trust is going away and has given you about three months' wages. So we're going to imagine that's 15K to 30K, but if you paid a lot more. That, what are you going to do with that money? Okay, so remember, without these details of um, mistrusted servants hating, we'd say this, this story is a straight about God. Um, and the, this is different to Matthew, the version written in Matthew. In fact, the version written in Matthew talks about three servants. This talks about ten servants. And all those servants, servants are given the same amount of money, which, because I'm kind of egalitarian, I like that. <laughs> I like the idea you'd all be trusted with it. And the boss's instructions are to put this money to work. A number of translators say, do business. Or, if we were quoting Backman, Turner, Overdry, take care of business. So the boss you dislike or don't trust has given you money and said, do business. What are you going to do? $30,000, what kind of business are you going to start? Egg supply. Egg supply. <laughs> Oh, no, not the egg jokes, please. <laughs> that would be exasperating. Stop. Okay. It's not a given, is it? Because, you know, you get this money. How's it going to work out? Um, and, and actually their culture, our culture, well, is, is more leaning in terms of kind of investment and pay off. Um, the Jews officially weren't supposed to charge interest. Um, they did. 
Everyone knew what you were talking about, just like if you, can, if you go to a Muslim bank, they're not supposed to do interest either. But they have ways. We all have ways to get around things. So, yeah, a dog washing business, Parklands. We apparently have one of the highest dog ownership things in, in the um, city. There you go. So, and dogs apparently, and look, there's one in there. Um, buy a new car, anyone? Give it to the church? No one thought that, I know. Um, <laughs> And listen, you've been lent this money, but this boss is going on quite a hazardous trip. They're off to see Emperor Augustus, and actually your odds of coming back are, well, I don't know. You might not come back, because if the emperor doesn't like you, if you say the wrong thing, that might have been your time. If this business analogy doesn't work for you, I'm going to take a dodgy one here. Please forgive me for... Um, if you want a poor analogy, it's as if the boss has handed you $30,000 and said, go and play poker. Okay, and there's risk. Well, it turns out that this unliked boss gets made king and returns home, again, echoing what happens to Archelaus. He does actually, in fact, the three sons are sent with the idea that they're going to own different parts, and um, Augustus won't have a bar of it. He says, oh, no, Archelaus, you're the oldest, you're in charge of it all, but you know, you, these guys can look after these territories as a side. So... Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. Okay, it's accounting time. And the first one comes and says, Sir, your minna, your minna has earned ten more. Well, that's pretty good, isn't it? Well done, my good servant, his master replies, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter. Take charge of ten cities. Okay, so what's that like? If you'd been loaned $30,000, you'd be saying, I've got $300,000 for you. Did I get the maths right? Yeah? I, I hear yes and no. It's, it's, a, it's a decent amount of money. That's kind of good, isn't it? And the master's response to that is to say, you've had this responsibility, you've done it well, have more. Yep, I'm going to trust you. Uh, I would like to apologize, I've lost my notes, and I was going to be saying some of this in today, it's not going to happen. <laughs> and then the second servant comes and says, Sir, your minna has earned five more, and his master replies, you take charge of five cities. So you've been responsible with this, you've earned less money, but still more, so, you know, that's great. And you kind of know the story, because we've read it in Matthew, you know what's coming, don't you? But not the third servant. Remember, there were ten servants, so we're left wondering. And then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your minna. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. Fold over, stuck it underneath the mattress of my bed. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. Ooh, now there's a fair bit in that, isn't it? That says a lot about how he views his boss. And it may well be fair. It may well be true. We don't, we're not told this. And his master replies, Well, I'll judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man. That's a ua, ua tangata, I think. Taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow then why didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? Has he got a point? Absolutely. And then he says, 
to, the, to those standing by, take his minna away from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. And they say, sir, he already has ten. And he replies, I tell you that to everyone who has more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. And then there's this last line, which makes me think this is reference to Archelaus even more. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. Now, we know about the Archelaus story because the um, early historian Josephus wrote about it. Yep. We know there's evidence that this happened. We actually don't know this bit. We don't know what happened when people came back. We don't know if they were, but it, given the, the nature of the rulers, it's quite likely that if you'd opposed him, um, you'll get the chop. That was pretty common. So what's gone on here? This guy, the third one, hasn't has been scared to use the minna because there's risk and it might go wrong and his master is a harsh, hard man. What's the story got to do with this? And why would Jesus tell it just before he goes into Jerusalem? Because remember, two things. One, he's just about to go into Jerusalem and the other one, it said in the, the verse just before this, is that people's expectation was the kingdom of God was going to come now. So what's that got to do with us? The first thing is, this is a story about stewardship. He didn't have to lend the money, did he? But it's about stewardship, and it's a story where the boss isn't present, so you're making, people who are tomb in heavens are making calls. And that's interesting for all of us, because we are kind of in that position. We get to make calls. We are trusted to work with resources that we have. That job of stewardship is our job, be it creation care, looking after your business, how you deal with your family. What do you have charge of, of or responsibility for? That's our minners, our stuff. And we do get to make calls on this, don't we? We do. Stewardship is fundamentally about trust. And I'd like to say, we're trusted. When I loan my car to my daughter, that's a statement of trust. And there's risk. It might not come back in the same shape. It might not when I drive it. Um, but I'll take the risk. It's worth it. There's trust inherent in it. And in this story, this bad boss is willing to trust his servants. But we don't have a bad boss, do we? We're trusted by a good boss, one willing to die for us, one who loves us, one who trusts us. So the first thing to note is that we're trusted. Second thing I'd note is that it's not all our resources, they're not necessarily ours. There's a lovely thing in the story. The first and second servant do not come back and say, look at the money I have made. I am so successful. I'm going to do a TED talk. They say, this is, the, this is the, the money the minna has made. They actually say these resources resulted in this. So they're actually quite humble about it. We forget that the money that we're loaned isn't ours. The life we're owned isn't all ours. It's gift. What are we going to do with it? 
So sometimes I love that they say, I didn't do it, your minna did. It's not necessarily your success. It's great if you're experiencing it. But it's not all about you. Third thing I'd notice in this story is that we are asked to literally do business. We're asked to play the game with what we have, and there is risk. Not every hand of poker wins. Why poker's a terrible analogy is there is a house advantage. Um, not every business venture pays off. Things go wrong. If I was telling the story, I want to have a fourth servant. I want to have the one who, I don't know, invests in llamas, buys a chicken farm, and they, they all get whatever it is that chickens get that make them lay eggs. <laughs> and, and it goes wrong, because I would love to have seen the boss's response to that. I'd, I'd, and I think that tells you more about my culture and the culture we live in than it does about the culture that are hearing this. Because we are all about results. We are a show-me-the-money culture. And in Jesus' time, their culture is so much more about relationships. How am I connected to you? How am I connected to the boss? So if you want a better analogy, um, I remember as a parent, and those of you who have parents have probably done this, helping your kid to ride a bike. Now, okay, re more recent parents, you've had balanced bikes and it's not been a thing. But for us, you know, you get behind the kid and they're going down the hill and you have your hand on the seat and you let go. And there's this moment when voices are raised and I can never do this. Not that my kids were ever like this. That, 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 but actually, it's a statement of trust. We're letting go because we trust that you're going to learn this and you're going to get there. And, you know, the disastrous thing that could happen, the worst thing that could happen there, apart from a trip to a hospital, which is not good, but um, would be if they go, I can't do this. I'm, I'm going to bury it in a piece of cloth. I'm not going to learn. Because we don't care about that. We care about our kids succeeding. We care about our kids having a go. And you know, if you have a kid that can't ride a bike, you're going to find some other way for them to succeed. Because it's a relationship of love and trust, and it is okay to fail. My suspicion, I'm putting my angle in here, is that a servant who risked all and didn't work, I think, I'm sure our good base boss would say, well, it's worth a go, wasn't it? Because they had a go. Because it's a statement of trust. In one of the Anglican um, marriage ceremonies, there's a line that says, marriage provides the encouragement to risk more and thus to gain more. It's a lovely line, and I like to think that's what it is to be a follower of Jesus. You're called to risk more and to gain more because it's a community thing. When I was first a Christian... <laughs> I, um, I thought I had to get everything right. I thought it was a bit like archery, and my goal was to hit the bullseye. This was God's will for my life here. And that did not work out brilliantly for me, because I was scared to do just about everything. I, um, I didn't want to date girls, because what if I went out with the wrong girl? How was that? There were the odd occasion when clearly God told me to do something, which was great, because suddenly I didn't have to make a choice. But then there were all these other areas where God wasn't telling me what to do, and how do I know? I found it quite crippling. I didn't want to take risk. I wanted my boss to tell me what to do, which job to take, who I should go out with, and it was quite stressful, really. And, of course, I didn't want to miss God's will for my life. Um, 
Tell me what to do, God, was a frequent prayer. And two things changed in my life. One was that I read a book about guidance and went, oh, yeah, actually Adam and Eve uh, set loose in the Garden of Eden and told to have the fruit of any tree except that one. So what did they have, do you reckon? Apples? Pears? Watermelon? They had a choice. They were trusted to make a choice. And any of them would have been good. There's an element of trust in stewardship. And the second thing that happened to me was that I had a flatmate who lived his life for the fall, went out with lots and lots of girls for the fun of it. And I looked at him and thought, drat you, you're living better than I am. And, and that was, in fact, the prompt that got me to ask Linda out. So big ups, flatmate. <laughs> Archery turns out to be really challenging. And um, just to hit the target is a big deal. <laughs> You know, we don't get bullseyes all the time. It doesn't matter, but you have a go. And sometimes it'll work out and sometimes it work. But do the mahi. Take care of business. High risk will probably never be my strength. Something I have really appreciated. I still want to get it right. I have really appreciated working with others. I've loved the team. I've loved working with um, Adrian and Liz and Anita and Jasper and people. And I think, yes. Because I need to be encouraged, let's take the risk. It is The Parklands Youth Project is a risk. We're having a go. I think it'll work well, but if it doesn't, Jasper, good on you. We're having a go. And God will be going awesome, I think. We see a need, we're having a crack. And if you want to help, talk to Jasper. There are volunteers that are needed. There's, yep, there's stuff to do. There's mahi. It's risk. We are asked to play the game. In a week or two's time, we're going to try and facilitate a meeting for a street that had something rough happen in it. And there's a risk in it. I hope it grows relationship. I hope. But we're going to try and play the game. And why do we need to hear this? Because why does Jesus tell this? Because in the week that follows, Jesus will enter Jerusalem. And the, one of the first things he'll do is he'll cry over the state of Jerusalem. In this story, you could say, is he the boss coming in, I, I don't know. He, what he does is he enters in. This is the return of the Messiah to Jerusalem, and it hasn't been well held, has it? And he ends up leaving, and Luke, he ends up leaving that night. There's this great procession in, but he leaves that night and sleeps outside the city, which astonishes me, because I think, was there no one who would offer him room? And then a week later, he gets hung on a cross, and you know, I don't know that I'd dare, well, was that a smart goal, Jesus? No. I mean, it's amazing what Jesus accomplished. But actually, that, putting that category against it, for me, is jarring. There is this business of what he shows is tremendous faithfulness. In the Garden of Gethsemane, you hear him on his knees crying out, God, take this cup from me. Is there another way? Do I have to do this business? Could I do another? But by playing the game boots and all, and in the, the eyes of people at the time failing, Jesus saves us all. So where am I going to this? Why would you want to hear this now? Because when you walk out these doors, there will be decisions to make. There will be business to do, games to play. And you have skills and wisdom and money to use in that that you are loaned by a good boss 
not a bad boss. So if I had sleeves to roll up, I'd say, roll up your sleeves. Go out there and play the game. Take a risk. It's not all about the money. It isn't a matter, you know, when the, at the end of the game, all the toys go back in the box. That acquisition, it may be our culture, but it's not our game. It's about playing the game and taking care of the business you're entrusted to with until the saviour returns to take care of business once and for all. Because one day Jesus will be taking care of business. On that day, taking care of business in every single way. So until he comes, I'd just like to encourage you and me to roll up our sleeves, look for the things that we have, and take the risk. And if it doesn't work out, it's okay. We have a good and loving boss. And if it does work out, you might be given more. I'm going to pray. And actually, can I get the team to sing? Can we sing that song that we sang just before the sermon? The new one? Because it's got a bit of that, whoa, yeah, let's get into this thing. And um, that's not a bad thing. And then at the end of the service, um, uh, love you to stay. Um, five, ten minutes after the service, short, relatively short time, we're going to have a church meeting out there. You don't have to be a member to be there. Um, so, and it's kind of interesting. So we'd love you to stay and have a chat, but I'll come and talk over the top and make a couple of decisions. We just ask that you don't vote when we come to There'll be a bit of a show of hands, or if you could not do it for that. Um, and aside from that, don't rush off out without catching up with people. Can I just pray for us? God, um, I confess that internally I have some harsh bosses that want to accuse and shame and that hold me back from taking risk. And I suspect that many of us have those harsh bosses, those voices. But we know that you are a good boss, that you deeply, deeply love and you back. Give us courage. Um, make us bold. Let us know the resources you have entrusted us with. And may we grow our love with you as we use them. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right, if you'd like to jump to your feet.